All right, good morning. Good to, good to see everybody here today. And uh, yeah, welcome to community. Maybe uh, this is your first time or you've not been here very many times. And you know, see Yorkville Community Christian Church, what's that about? Well, we are one church with, we actually have uh, nine physical locations across Chicagoland. We have two in the city, one here and one in Lincoln Square. We, call our, we say that we're one church with four expressions because we actually also have community online, which hundreds if not thousands of people actually access our services online every week as well. We have churches that actually are serving people that are incarcerated. We call that community freedom. So even right now as you're, uh, in, you're uh, experiencing this service today, uh, there are folks that are uh, in local prisons that are experiencing church as well. And then finally, we have something called 3C Communities, which are micro churches that also uh, meet in various places across Chicagoland. So that gives you a little bit of a picture. Our mission is helping people find their way back to God. And uh, that's kind of what makes our heart beat fast. And we're just super excited uh, that you chose to be with us here today. And, and Jesse, you know, when you said hydro flask, why do I think... When I hear hydro, I feel like it should fly. Does anybody else think that? Like, it should like fly away. Is this a water bottle that actually flies or maybe not? I'm the only one that thinks that. Okay, anyway. All right, today we conclude our series, Searching for Answers. And we're gonna look at one more question that people frequently ask of our good friend, Google. And if you've been uh, with us for this series, you know that we did some research to discover the types of questions that people actually are asking online. And uh, sometimes they're head questions that relate to increasing our understanding or knowledge. Uh, you know, like the question we dealt with and answered in week one, how do I deal with anxiety? How do I deal with anxiety? Uh, other times we search for what might be considered heart questions, uh, questions that relate to how we feel. Uh, like the question we talked about uh, last week, what am I supposed to do with my life, right? And if you miss either one of those messages, I just encourage you to go and, and watch them on demand. You can find that at communitychristian.info. And so today we're going to ask a third kind of question, and we might think of that as a hand question. Uh, they, relate, they relate to practical things that we want to learn how to do. In fact, my hunch is that these are probably the most frequently searched for questions online. And so as I was writing this talk over this past week, I got curious as to what practical questions I have recently searched for. And so I looked at my Google history, and here's some questions that I've been asking to give you kind of a peek inside of the scary mind of John Ferguson. All right, I, uh, I searched for this question. How do you create an online course? Now, second, hey, I might want to pick up a few extra dollars. Maybe I'll do an online course, right? Okay. Another recent search of mine, how do you take a screenshot on a MacBook Pro? Uh, yeah, I am a little bit uh, inept when it comes to technology, I have to admit. And then finally, my most interesting search was, how do I get along with an Enneagram 9? <laughs> Sorry, Jesse, I was just trying to figure out how we can work <laughs> together better. <laughs> uh, but the truth is, we often seek practical information online. And so today, we're going to take a practical question again and look at it. And it's this question, it's one that you might be surprised, it is actually asked frequently online. And the question is this. How do I read the Bible? How do I read the Bible? And I don't know, maybe you've searched for that yourself a time or two. Uh, a study by the Barna Group found that 87% of people in churches want help understanding the Bible. Think about that. 87% of people in churches that were surveyed want help understanding the Bible. So that would suggest that a vast majority of us in this room are interested in that question. And I think there's a reason for it. You want to know what it is? Help me out. Do you want to know what it is? <laughs> Just appease me, please. The reason is the Bible is hard to understand sometimes. The Bible can be difficult to understand. In fact, uh, let me do some informal research right now, okay? 
Here we go. Show of hands, all right? How many of you would like to grow in your ability to read the Bible? No pressure, right? What are you going to do? The pastor's asking that question. You're not going to raise your hand. Um, how many of you at times find it, though, difficult to understand, honestly? Yeah, I think most would say, yeah, there are times when I find it difficult to understand. Now, sorry, I would say that about myself, and I'm sorry if that freaks you out since I'm the person that's teaching the Bible right now, but it's true. I find parts of the Bible to be difficult to understand. I mean, what are you supposed to do uh, with a command like this? Okay, check this out. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Everybody knows you don't cook goat in its mother's milk. It's always, what? Almond milk, right? <laughs> I mean, wh what do you do with that, right? All right. Uh, or how about this inspiring Bible story, okay, from 2 Kings in the Old Testament. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy. Not just once, but twice. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. <laughs> I know, that'll teach you to call somebody baldy, right? Good night. I mean, when I was a kid, <laughs> I went to Sunday school every week because my dad was a pastor, and we had stories told on flannel graph. Anybody else? I'm the only one, right? Okay, thank you, Lane. Somebody remembers a flannel graph and Janet. I never saw that story on the flannel graph. Janet? No, I didn't think so. You know, a few years ago, the New York Times uh, sat down with screenwriter Judd Apatow and asked him, what book did you feel like you were supposed to like and didn't? Asked the screenwriter, what book did you feel like you were supposed to like but didn't? And he responded, the Bible. The Bible. And he went on to explain, it's just not working for me. I wish it was. Wouldn't it be great if it did work for me and I had the peace one gets knowing the universe is just and kind and guided by eternal intelligence? And then he says, maybe I'm reading it wrong. I wonder how many people echo that same sentiment. You see, it's okay to admit that you struggle to read the Bible because sometimes it feels like the Bible is just plain hard to understand. So then why bother, right? Why bother? I mean, if it's so difficult to understand, why do we still ask the question, how do I read the Bible? Well, today I want to suggest two reasons for why I think it's such an important question, and then we're going to dig into some real practical ideas for how to read the Bible, okay? Let's first talk about why reading the Bible matters, and let me start with a story, okay? Uh, recently, I came across this story uh, from the BBC titled Syria's Secret Library, Syria's Secret Library, the country Syria. And if you kept up with the news of the past several years, you know that uh, Syria has been entrenched in a terrible civil war. I actually have a friend who uh, came to the States from Aleppo, the city that has been most hit hard by this civil war. Um, just incredible suffering, uh, devastation, people displaced. Uh, hunger just continues to be a horrific problem there. But a BBC reporter discovered that in the midst of this horrific crisis, a group of people have rescued thousands of books from burnt-out buildings to stock an underground library just outside of Damascus. Fascinating story. I mean, the people of Syria are dodging shells and bullets to access this library. And then asked, when they were asked why they would risk their lives to read a book, one user explained, in a sense, the library gave me back my life. In a sense, the library gave me back my life. Like the body needs food, the soul needs books. Books motivate us to keep on going. How interesting, isn't it? People literally risking their lives, risking their lives to read regular old books while we have access, easy and safe access, to the most valuable book ever written. 
85% of American households have at least one Bible. 85% have at least one Bible. And the truth is now, I mean, anybody can access a Bible really quick right on your smartphone, right? As a matter of fact, on average, uh, households in America have four Bibles. The average household has four Bibles. I mean, there are reasons that this book, the Bible, is the best-selling book of all time. There are reasons why reading the Bible actually matters. And so I want to share with you two reasons from what I would say is one of the strongest statements about the Bible in the Bible. Two reasons from one of the strongest statements about the Bible in the Bible. In his second letter to his young apprentice, Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, all Scripture... All Scripture is God-breathed. Just kind of land on that for a minute. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, when you see that word righteousness, that's not, that doesn't mean you've got it all figured out and you're living this perfect life. It means you're rightly related to God. It's how to live in relationship with God so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me read that again, okay? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, how to live in relationship with God, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, the first reason it's so important to read the Bible is that the Bible is actually, it's God-breathed. And when Paul uses that term, he's actually um, inventing a new term to explain how God communicates his message through his written word. And so the Bible is unique, and so Paul chooses a unique word to talk about it, and so he called it God-breathed. Well, what does it mean uh, to be God-breathed? Uh, maybe, maybe think of it this way. I heard a story about an American professor who, who went to Oxford on a visit, as a visiting academic. And when he and his wife arrived, they were looking at what seemed to be remains of an ancient crumbling building in an older part of the college. And if you've ever been there, you know that there are a lot of older buildings in Oxford. But when his wife spotted curtains in the windows and people going about their business inside one of those old buildings, she exclaimed, Honey, uh, these ruins are inhabited. And I think in a way, when we open up the Bible, we, we can have an experience somewhat like that. I mean, to many people, the Bible looks like an ancient book filled with you know, stories about people who lived a long, long time ago, right? But if you really take time to read it, a strange thing can happen. And suddenly you can sense something stirring, something alive, something actually breathing. Reformer Martin Luther described it this way. He said, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. I love this. He says, it has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. See, first, Christian, first century Christians believed that the reason the scriptures were alive was because God had breathed them. And that breath, that life is still present and powerful when we read it ourselves. Today, it's the Spirit of God at work to guide us as we read. Jesus told us that the Spirit would help us in this very way when he said, hey, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. When the Spirit comes, when you choose to follow Jesus, the Spirit comes to live inside of you, and that Spirit will guide you in all truth. And isn't that what we're longing for, the truth? Aren't we looking for truth? The fact that the Scriptures are God-breathed and that the Spirit is at work in them means that the Bible offers us an ever-present opportunity for a relational encounter with God. Let that just sink in for a moment. 
because the scriptures are God-breathed and that the Spirit is at work in them, we have an opportunity for a relational encounter, encounter with the God of the universe when we pick up this Bible and we actually open it up and read it. His breath is in these words. If we want to know and be known by the God of the universe, then we can actually find him right here. Well, there's a second reason why reading the Bible matters. Not only is it God-breathed, it is, this is kind of a strange term, it's human equipping. Say that after me, okay? Human equipping. Yeah. You see, God uses scripture to teach us the truth, to help us get back on track, and to show us how to live in the ways of the kingdom so that we can be thoroughly equipped to live the best life possible. I mean, what we have in this book and what we have in scripture is wisdom from God that can help us flourish as human beings. I think there's this misnomer, this notion out there somewhere that it's just a book of rules and it's a way for God to kind of keep you bound up or to ruin your life or to make life hard or miserable for you. No, he wants you to flourish. He wants you to live your best life possible. The writer of Psalms recognized how Scripture can help us flourish. He described what the law, which is another term for God's word, can do for us. He says this, he says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. See, reading the Bible matters because it's God-breathed. It's an ever-present opportunity for us to have a relational encounter with God. And it's also human equipping in that it reveals his wisdom through these pages in order for us to flourish. Who here wants to flourish? <laughs> Anybody say, nah, you know, I'm not really into that. <laughs> yeah. God gives us his wisdom in order to help us flourish, to live life to its very best. So let's get super practical. Okay, I want to talk about just a simple method for how to read the Bible that every one of us can practice. And I don't know if you have a smartphone with you. I'm sure most of you do. Or you want to write this down. I would encourage you to write these down. You can take this with you. It's a simple method for reading the Bible. It has three steps. It's really easy. You might not even have to write it down. You'll probably remember it. It's read, respond, reflect. Okay? Say that after me. Read, read. respond, <laughs> reflect. Read, respond, reflect. Yes. Uh, let's start with that first step. Okay, read. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I got that down, I can read, I'm good, check that one off. Well, here are a couple of ideas to consider when it comes to actually reading Scripture, okay? Here's what I want you to do. To start, you have to decide on a translation. Decide on a translation. Now, there are lots of different English versions of the Bible translated by scholars from all sorts of perspectives and have differing goals. Now, this chart's really helpful, and if any of you would like this chart, feel free to reach out to me. I'll be happy to, to get this to you. I thought this was kind of helpful. Um, and it shows how some translators choose a word-for-word kind of translation, which can be okay, but it can sometimes make the text harder to understand when they actually translate word-for-word, all right? Others translate thought-for-thought. Do you see the difference? There's kind of a word-for-word on one end of the spectrum. There's thought-for-thought on the other end of the spectrum. Thought-for-thought provides a more readable kind of text, makes it a little bit easier to understand, and so I would recommend that you consider, like, if you look over there in the orange, NIV or NLT, that's New International Version or New Living Translation. Both are excellent translations, very accurate, tend to be a little more of a thought-for-thought -thought translation rather than a word-for-word, -word, but still, I think it reflects the original intent of Scripture. So, first, what? Choose a translation, all right? Decide on a translation. Then, you've got to choose a Bible reading plan. 
All right. Bible reading plans are super important because they direct our reading according to a theme or through a section of the Bible. You can read through a, a, a book of the Bible, or you can, you know what you could do is you could sign up for the community daily. That's what I do. And what we'll do is every day, Monday through Friday, we'll send you a section of scripture, all right? And that section is based on what we talk about on the Sunday. So it allows you to kind of take what you're experiencing on Sunday and go a little bit deeper. I would encourage every single person here, even if you don't use it every day, to sign up for the community daily. It comes to your inbox like at four in the morning before you're even awake. It's there. Brief section of scripture, some questions to reflect on. Super, super helpful. So choose a translation, all right? Pick a reading plan. And third and most important, remember that as you're reading scripture, please don't forget this, folks. You're not just reading words on a page. You're having a relational encounter with the God of the universe. So what I want you to do is also ask the Holy Spirit. Remember when you choose to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit actually promises to come to live inside of you. You ask the Holy Spirit to guide your thoughts as you read. And then here's what I want you to do. You got to read the passage slowly. All right, this is not like speed reading time. You're not trying to like get to the end of the book. You're supposed to, this is a relational encounter. You got to get something from this. So read it slowly. Huge mistake. I made for a long time, and I still do from time to time, is read it too fast. Second thing is this. Read it more than one time. Read it more than one time. Uh, I would suggest whatever section you're looking at, maybe read it three, four times. Kind of want to let it soak in. I think one of the other mistakes we make is we pick too much to read at one time. Instead, pick a small section. Read it three, four, maybe even five times. And then pay attention to words or phrases that, that kind of stand out to you. You know, you might want to highlight them. You might want to write them down. And when you do that, you're going to begin to see patterns that could be the, the Spirit's way of trying to kind of get your attention. You know what I'm talking about? You start to see patterns, verses that are repeated or themes that seem to be kind of coming up again and again. You've got to listen to that. That's the Spirit's way of saying, hey, I want you to focus on that. I want you to write that down. I want you to highlight that. So again, I read the community daily, Monday through Friday. It's in my inbox before I wake up. I also read the YouVersion Bible app, Daily Devotion. Anybody else get that? If you don't have a YouVersion, highly recommend. Great app. It's free. Every translation under the sun is a part of that YouVersion Bible app. Great resources. Download that today. I read that. And then there's a couple other sources of scripture uh, that I also um, incorporate into my daily reading. And I, highlight, I, I write down verses. I highlight them. And then if there's something that I see kind of repeated, if I see themes coming up over and over again, or if I kind of feel God's spirit kind of nudging me on a verse or a section, um, then it might even make it to what I call my post-it wall. All right, my post-it note wall. Now this is on, uh, right next to my desk, uh, my makeshift desk at home. And these are just some verses that I, I man, when they, when, I, when they came up in my reading, or maybe they came up several times over the course of several readings, I was like, oh, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta pay attention to these. So here's just a few that, that kind of made the post-it wall. Um, some of my favorites. Uh, up in the top right corner, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Or how about this one? Anybody need this one? Uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Yeah, that's pretty practical, huh? You want to survive relationships? Yeah, put that on your post-it wall. Or how about this one? This, this has been like a theme verse for me probably for the last, like, I don't know, two or three years, especially during the pandemic. It's the middle one here of the three that are kind of lined up. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I needed that one like every day. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. And now what I find challenging about that verse is I want, I want the hope first. <laughs> you know. And what does he say? May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you what? Trust. You got to trust first, then the hope, then the joy and peace will come, right? I'm like, no, give me the joy and peace and hope, and then I'll trust. Say, no, you trust me, and then, not that he can't give you that first, but what he's saying is the pattern is you trust me, and I will fill you with joy and peace. There's several verses on there, uh, so you can try doing a post-it wall if you want to. But the first step is to read, and then the second step is to reflect. Reflect. And this is about taking some time to think through what you've read. I mean, since God uses scripture to help us flourish as human beings, it can also be helpful to ask ourselves questions as we reflect on the passage. Here's some questions, and feel free to take pictures of any of these slides. And if you want any of these slides, don't hesitate to reach out. I'd be happy to get any of these to you. Um, but ask yourself when you're reflecting, what do I learn about God from this section of scripture? What do I learn about Jesus? What about myself? What am I learning about us? You know, maybe that's you and you know, someone special, or maybe it's your family, maybe it's your community, maybe it's your church. And at times, you know, the Spirit might give you an insight right away that feels meaningful or significant, or other times it might take days, weeks, maybe even months. It can also be helpful to consult the notes if you have a study Bible or maybe even a commentary. If you find a, a particular passage is difficult to understand, you want a little more background to understand it better. But trust the Spirit to lead your thoughts as you open yourself up to hear God. And here's something I've incorporated recently, too, that I think you might find helpful. What I try to do is before I read Scripture, I just try to sit quietly for, honestly, as, as, as much as five minutes, just nothing but silence, as a way to kind of put my spirit and my mind in, in sort of neutral, asking God, God, I want to be open to what you want. So I kind of need to empty out my desires and my wants so that what I'm thinking as I read Scripture is what you want me to think. So I'd encourage you to consider doing that. You might write out a sentence or two on what you think God is saying to you. Writing it out gives you something to kind of come back to later. All right, so you read, reflect, and then when you're ready for the last step, you can respond. You can respond. And this is where you take what you've read or what you've learned from God and, and respond to him, almost like a, a dialogue or a conversation. And here you can share with God your reaction to what you read and what you reflected on. You know, you can think through questions like, you know, how can I apply this to my life? You know, what, what encouragement can I take away from what I read? What, what challenge do I feel today? What am I going to do differently because of what I've heard, what I just read? You might even find it helpful to, sh to write out a short prayer to God, thanking Him for uh, the words that He gave you. And remembering that reading Scripture is a relational encounter with God. And He's there with you when you're reading His Word. So read, reflect, and respond. All right, I know this has felt a little bit like a, like a seminar almost today, okay? And I hope you found it to be helpful. But I want to give you one final challenge and then one encouragement, okay? One final challenge, one encouragement. Are you with me? All right, okay, here we go. First, the challenge. This is really important, all right? You will never know how Scripture can help you encounter God and flourish until you read it consistently, all right? You will never know how Scripture can become that relational encounter with God that helps you flourish until you read it consistently. And I just want to tell you, I know you can do it. You can do it. It's going to take some time, but you can do it. 
It's been a journey for me, all right? And by no means have I arrived, all right? It's going to take some time to be disciplined and be consistent about it. It's going to take a willingness to, to, to slow down and be open to God's spirit even when you don't feel like it. There's going to be times when you read something that's going to be like, I don't feel like I got anything from it. It's okay. It's okay. Close it. Come back the next day. You got to get started. So I would encourage you, set a time. Maybe th- start with like three days a week. Maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Or five days a week. Monday through Friday. Set aside some time where you can reflect on Scripture. Research has actually shown that reading and reflecting on Scripture is the number one practice to growing spiritually. Think about that. All the things you could do in order to grow closer to God, to grow in your faith, we're here because we want to do that ultimately, right? Number one practice is reading and reflecting on Scripture. Okay, so that's the challenge. Here's the encouragement, okay? Here's, here's the encouragement. Share what you're learning with somebody else. Don't do this by yourself. And that's one reason why we so believe in small groups. All right, take some time in your groups to say, hey, what are you guys reading? What are you reflecting on? What are you responding to? What are you getting from Scripture? And if you're not in a small group or do this in addition to that, get together with lunch over lunch with somebody who also is doing this that you can share together what you're learning, what you're getting from God as you read and reflect on Scripture. See, once you experience what God can do in your life through Scripture, you're going you're gonna to begin to develop a hunger for it. You're going to look forward to, to, re, to hearing from God. You're going you're to find in Scripture, truthfully, what your heart and mind needs to flourish. All right, I want to offer you the opportunity to experience this right now, okay? I'll tell you what, just take a, take a deep breath, would you, on three. One, two, three. That feels kind of good, doesn't it? All right, just kind of let that out, all right? Um, we're going to prepare to receive communion, and I hope everyone uh, got one of these when they came in today. Um, but as we do, we're going to engage in a brief time of reading, reflecting, and responding on Scripture, or to Scripture. And we're going to look at a passage together. And so essentially, we're going to do right now, and this is a really brief time, what we've been talking about for the last 20, 25 minutes here. And so I want to start with read, okay? Now, most of you probably didn't bring a Bible with you, although you probably have one on your smartphone, but I have a scripture that we're going to put on the screen. But before we look at that scripture, I want to do this because this is part of the pattern that I think is important to do before you read scriptures. I just want to say a prayer, and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to, to guide us uh, in these coming moments. All right? All right, so we're going to pray, and then we'll read this text together. Father God, God, thank you that your word is, is written, uh, that we can read it, we can reflect on it, we can respond to you, and that, Lord, we can actually have a relational encounter with you when we do that. God, thank you that, that you gave it to us so that we could, we could flourish as human beings that you, our creator, knows how we best function. And when we look into your word, we can, we can understand that. We can grow in that. So God, even right now, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would come in this room, in this space, Lincoln Hall on Sunday morning, September 26th, Lord, that you would invade this space as we look to your word and that you would speak to us through these words. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I'm going to read this passage kind of slowly, and I just want you to pay attention to what stands out to you. Um, And I want to encourage you just to be present to God as we read these God-breathed words. Now, these words were written by the Apostle Paul, and I just want to say when what he speaks of in this section, he knew firsthand. Like, he lived through this stuff, okay? He wrote this to some Christ followers. He said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine 
or nakedness or danger or sword? No. And all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else at all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I just want you to take some time to reflect on what maybe the Spirit is saying to you in that passage. You know, what does it tell you about God? What does it tell you about Jesus? What does it tell you about you, us? Just take, just take a moment to quietly reflect on those words.